it's no, no, no. We just have flat butts yeah. and no, yeah. no, rhythm. no cool features. Yes. No, yeah. we're ugly. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. recorded this voicemail. During Battaglia's trial, jurors heard how the murders were his way of getting back at his estranged wife. At the time of the killings, the couple was separated after he beat her. Battaglia's execution has been halted twice before on claims he was not mentally competent. It's where the lives of Bonnie, her lover Bill Hall Jr., and his longtime wife Frances all collide, and only two will walk away alive. Bear County 911, what is your location? So, guys, this is Texas 1031. Mm. We're your hosts, Cassie and Hannah, and 1031 is a police code for crime in progress. Oh, my God. Progress. That's um, silent. The there it is. silent. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say S's today. Um, and as <laughs> you can probably guess, we discuss crimes and mostly murder committed in Texas. And if you guys want to visit our website, it's always going to be at Texas1031podcast.com. You're going to be able to find our links to our social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. Those are the places that you can listen to us on at whatever. And remember, the name of our website and social media accounts have no dashes, no spaces, no capitalizations or numbers. Just all spelled out. That was my dog yawning. I feel like I need to post a picture of Kane so everyone knows who he is. Yeah, because my phone broke when I had that picture of oh, him I yeah. took last time, Cassie so I couldn't post phone. it. Yeah, it was one of the only pictures not uploaded onto my iCloud. He's trying to talk to us right now. Oh, little but, boy. Uh, remember, <laughs> if you guys are on iTunes, please rate, review, and subscribe. We've gotten uh, a couple new ratings and reviews. Yee. Super nice. Thank you so much. Really nice. It <laughs> makes our hearts so happy. You don't know how long we freak out over yes even the tiniest, tiniest review thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so every episode we're going to bring you two murder cases tonight we have one in dallas and the other will be in san antonio so we really hope you guys enjoy our special v-day episode and thanks oh, yeah. for listening yeah v-day v-day yo <laughs> v-day yo what valentine's day oh you went all like hood i went are we allowed to say hood lame probably not. i went lame <laughs> probably not um yeah it's our valentine's day episode it's the lovers scorned episode it's episode 16 um i think it <laughs> at first i wanted to do or i wanted to like find crimes that were committed like on the 14th mm-hmm. but we had like a weird miscommunication of yep. like were we drunk did we talk about this did we not probably all of the above yeah um, I don't know where that translation got lost. Like, I literally, I remember a conversation, and then I read back to our text, and I was like, 
That's not, we didn't, okay, no. we obviously didn't text about it, so no, when did this happen? it had to have been in person, but we don't remember, because it Probably was the wine. It was always the wine. After we got done recording, yeah. like, as I'm getting into my car, like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. Valentine's Day, 14, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we sort of landed on stupid people killing their special someone yeah. in anger. Yeah. Like, yay, love. So, like... More like an anti-Valentine's Day episode. Yeah, definitely. Because Valentine's Day is kind of the worst. I don't know. Like, I I like don't really... I don't want to be like, oh, it's just a corporate holiday. <laughs> but then I don't want to be like, I totally support it. I'm just like, whatever. Do what you want to do. Yeah. If you want to celebrate it, cool. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm always down for flowers and a nice dinner. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if you actually, but, like, like I could stay at home. use the time to, like, spin together and stuff instead yeah. of, like, stressing over making it perfect, like, that's fine. Yeah. But I did throw a minor fit in H-E-B because Brennan told me that he wasn't going to get me any, <laughs> any chocolates. He was like, I'm not going to have time to go to the store. Your your present is coming in through the mail. And I was it's like, secret but code. I want a big Reese's heart. I might. Be Did you menstruating? Get it for yourself? Oh. No, he was like, "Well, we're here at the store together. Let's just get it." And I was like, "No, I don't want it anymore. <laughs> that has to be you're a surprise." Definitely, was, you're definitely menstruating, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then he bought himself dark chocolate truffles. So, Ew. who? I mean, I'm okay <laughs> with dark chocolate, but that's like no one's go-to. <laughs> it's his. Stupid, stupid. I think I'm gonna get him flowers though, because I feel like he's probably never gotten flowers in his life because he's a boy. And it's very uh, it feminist cool. and non-sexist of you. I know. <laughs> and he'll just be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, you could just got flowers for yourself, yeah. right? Yeah, because you wouldn't get me chocolates. Like, share uh, on Clueless. <laughs> she oh, writes, like, the, yeah. <laughs> the signs, the cards to herself. Um, okay, yeah, so recommendations. I don't think I have any. I watched Ingrid Goes West, and I really liked it. What? Oh, okay. So it's Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza and Elizabeth Olsen's movie. Oh. And it's on like Hulu now, I think. Um, yeah, Hulu. Is that the, the girl, the Mary-Kate Nashley, the sister? Mm-hmm. The one who was in uh, Wind River. Yeah. yeah. I kept wanting to say Winter Run, but that's not the same thing. It's kind of the first thing that happened in the movie, though, so. It's true. Fair enough. But I yeah, that was... Ingrid, is it like a Ernest spinoff thing no it's not this girl ingrid aubrey plaza plays ingrid who is like social media obsessed and she like goes to la to try to befriend this girl that she's obsessed with on instagram basically and it's actually pretty good and it like i like the way it like makes you think of social media i don't know i love aubrey plaza so do i but i like i think i like her (laughs) character on parks and rec more than anything more than her this was kind of like she doesn't stray too far from like herself April. i feel okay. yeah but i did not i will say i didn't like the ending because you don't ruin it shouldn't glorify certain things oh. but all right but it was good so i guess that's my recommendation it's fun yeah definitely Blah, i don't murdery don't do anything other than watch the office um so i have one recommendation and then one like side note thank god someone usual. has something here I have, like all the things to say <laughs> so i took a little break from podcast this last week and I started listening to the audiobook, The Psychopath Test, by John Ronson. Yes, please tell me about that because wow. <laughs> your that was Neither of us farted. That was my dog. If that got recorded, he <laughs> was trying to talk to us. So I posted on Instagram the other day that I had listened to the TED Talk that he was on. Uh, he was like kind of a guest or whatever, however TED Talks work mm-hmm. a while back. Um, yeah. So I was tipped off by Whitney Cummings, who she's the comedian, Aww. producer, writer, blah, 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 blah. 
uh, on her Instagram, she was saying that she was listening to the TED Talk. Hold on one second. <laughs> I'm gonna kick you out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go hang out with grandma. You know how much fun that is. Um so anyway, yeah, Whitney Cummings, I decided to download it. I listened to it. Um the TED Talk was amazing. And then I was like, Man, I'm out of podcasts for the week. What do I what do, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Like, I'm at a loss. So I bought the book. It was twenty bucks. Best twenty dollars I've spent in a fucking while. Really? I just finished it this morning. Um it was only like thirteen chapters ish, but like an audiobook, it like just, you know, it flies by. Right. So. Oh yeah. And I do a lot of things that require listening or whatever <laughs> i go to the park a lot with a lot with my dog so i have time um it was amazing like i said finished up this morning um it was a great book not just only because of the subject matter but his humor and his storytelling was really refreshing because it's not from you know the typical like psychologist or psychiatrist or doctor perspective yeah. it was you know he's a journalist he's a writer so he was really really funny um he's very neurotic and like anxiety and it was just really funny um but yeah so it's basically about more or less his journey before and after meeting with the creator slash author of the pclr which is the psychopathy checklist dash revised i guess is where the sort of uh r comes from yeah okay uh his name's robert or like bob Hare. um and then he goes on in the other chapters to interview um other people and yada yada on the subject and just kind of about the information that he gathers along the way i cannot recommend it enough it's very informative um it really makes you question like I don't know. You you have that moment of like, oh my god, everyone's a psychopath. Blah, 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 blah. And then you're like, well, JK, what if it's just this reaction, you know? Oh. Or like you go back and forth a lot. It's very very cool because it really questions your perception and really makes you think outside of your own brain and and really push yourself, I guess. That sounds cool. Yeah, it's very very interesting. Ooh, okay. Um, but yeah. Not that anyone's listening, so it's fine. <laughs> no one's ever listening. Cassie will read it. Uh, maybe if she can pry herself away from last Ernest podcast goes to oh, Ernest, Ernest goes to West Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, my only other thing that I want to mention, and I'm really proud of this, is that uh, I have a dog hair in my mouth. <laughs> Always. You're me right. too. Uh, I have a revision or more like an addition to my forensic file name database yes give it to me jingling sound maybe i'll try (laughs) and find one um so i was researching a case and i watched the forensic files episode and um so i didn't do i didn't actually choose that case but regardless i've been binging on the episodes just to like have in the background you know what i mean and um, so for like this last week, I have been writing stuff down and just kind of wanted to give like a little, little update. Um, <laughs> so if you're new, uh, which everyone's new because again, no one's listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a very, Kane, Jesus. He's having a, He's really a time over there. He's really attention right now. I have a very serious working theory that Forensic Files is filled with people with the weirdest last names. I've never heard before, and also people who have, like, alliterations for their names. Kane, hey, I'm going to end your life, like, right now. All right. The Give alliterations are. I'm yes. going to go through it quick so we can just, like, get to it. Michael, Mike, Michael McIntyre, Skip Schobel, Harry 
Pauline, I'm not sure how you pronounce that, June Jones, Connie Castle, David Dobbs, Derek Duran, Chris Curtis, Bruce Bartlett, Lowell Levine, Bud Buskin. Yep, Bud Buskin, exactly. Amanda Abbott, Shauna Stanzel, Ashley Allinger, Billy Baugh, Freddie Felsman, Clinton Chamberlain, Stacey Smith, Bruce Bigger, Ron Rudin, and Catherine Knight. Jeez. Right. I know. I didn't uh, like any of that. No. It sounded like a weird Dr. Seuss novel. Yeah. Uh, weird last names. These are the best, okay? Uh, yes. Erkenbrack. Nope. E-R-K-E-N-B-R-A-C-K. Hammerschmidt. Reddlesdorf. <laughs> Wampner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's one that's even better. Uh I don't even I still don't even know how to pronounce this. Stasa Stasicha? Stasicha? Stash oh. Stash I don't know. Like facetious, but with a stasa in yep. front of it. Yep. That's weird. <laughs> uh plopper. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you. The, no, the you, immaturity came out in myself as well, so I was hoping that it would. Because I feel you. like you got you got a last name sometimes assigned to you or whatever just right. based on your op- occupation. Right. So someone Growing, was a plopper yeah. from like seventeen, whatever. <laughs> yeah. What were your like, What was your job? What, were you plopping? What know. things were you plopping? I don't know. Who did the plopping to whom? That sounds gross. Uh, Mark Wart. Mark Wart. Sounds like Farquhar. Farquhar. Right. From Shrek. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Vander Sanden. Vander Geisen. Lots of Vanders. Hmm. Boyko. Silvernail. Fleenor. <laughs> Colarudis. And the next one is a whole name because I was kind of like blown away at this guy's parents because like, I don't know if I should be jealous or not but his name was starks hathcock wow exactly wow um and last but certainly certainly not least it this can't be the wine already uh the best of the best because pronunciation is still up for debate i'm gonna give you the letters it is g-r-z-y-b just take a second i thought it was grisby at first but it's not it's grisib Grzeeb. Grzeeb. He's white. His first name is Wallace or Walter, one of those. I don't know. Walter, I think. What? Yeah. I don't I don't know what that is. I thought I hated my last name. Like, see, these are ridiculous. They're horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get right into the episode. Again, Valentine's Day-ish murders, scorn lovers. We have a male and a female. We're going to do all the sad details of people who get pissed at their sad and gory details i do have a thing to mention first we've been taught like this this is gonna be my special project so if you guys would like to help me that'd be amazing um any feedback you could email us facebook message instagram message facebook post us um about a patreon that would be great so we we love the idea that we have friends listening to this right now, like friends that we don't even know. And it'd be super cool to be able to, you know, kind of give back to you. The way Patreon works, you probably know this, but it, it's like a give and take, you know. Like we don't have a bunch of money to sink into giving you stickers and shirts and extra stuff. Um, so we're trying to think of what is logistically possible for us and how we would formulate a Patreon. Um, so any suggestions, anything that you find worthy of a donation, mm-hmm. any, you know, getting back something, um, let us know so we can take that into consideration. Like we're thinking along the lines of, 
you could find a crime that you want us to cover something you're really interested in um we have a few friends that are like you know independent artists and we could commission some artwork some stickers um shirts are very expensive but you know we could think of different things we could do like we don't telling you right now we do not have time to sink into like bonus episodes right um there is a possibility of doing interviews with people at some point but that's not something that we could like promise right. for every uh, I think that's our donation biggest tier. thing is the, like the tangible items that we can mail to you mm-hmm. is kind of where we stand right now yeah and as much as you know I don't want to say we don't have the time or the money to put into it like we will if that's something you guys would want to contribute to yeah um if that's something that you guys would like um we're more than happy to do it but again we have limited time via or not via but because of job school yeah. etc lives so um we don't have all the time in the world to create those extra bonus content things that a lot of podcasts do have yeah for their patrons so the majority of the things that we'll be able to provide are again like I said things that we can mail to you or a shout out or things like that mm-hmm. so it's limited but we will take any suggestion that you yeah. guys are interested in um so on and so forth whatever. for sure yeah because it's I mean it's very possible that if like we do a patreon and it starts to get some action and stuff and we're able to because you know it's not like we would use this money to go like run off by ourselves and do things like it would be for the podcast and to make the podcast and the content better for you so who's to say that i couldn't buy an extra microphone to mm-hmm. have at my house and do little mini episodes mm-hmm. while hannah's doing school or you know so give or, us your feedback and if we or, don't give wow. any feed if we don't get any feedback on this then we will kind of conclude that it's not really worth our time because yeah. it's not something that you guys are interested yeah. in at this point so we're here for you and the victims so tell us your thoughts and that's all i have to say <laughs> also one last thing if you guys not to like put this spin on it but sort of like if you guys do contribute hey that's one last day that like one of us has to work yeah so we can create the stuff for you guys so yeah. again if you're interested please contribute an email, a message, a post, whatever, and let mm-hmm. us know how you feel if you're interested in donating or being a donor or whatever or suggestions on uh, rewards therein. Yeah. Know, whatever. It's Cassie's thing. I don't know the terminology. <laughs> um, Kane, are you ready? Are you ready? I think are you he's ready. ready. Are right. you first? No, you're first. Oh, I am? Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, I have. I actually got my notepad out. I got my pen. I'm here. We're good to go. Yeah. yeah. So, with our theme of the scorned lovers for your Valentine's Day enjoyment, I decided to cover the death of Bill Hall Jr. So, Bill Hall Jr. was born on July 13th, uh, 1963. Um, His parents were Bill and Connie Hall, and he had two sisters, Barbara and Sherry. Um, Just a tiny bit of background. We don't have a lot of background on his life before I got a lot of my information from kind of like a Dateline mm-hmm. type episode article, um, so it didn't really focus on his early they get life. To the good stuff, though. Yeah, yeah. got to the good stuff. And not to say his early life doesn't matter, but he basically met his eventual wife Frances when they were sixteen. So they were high school sweethearts, and they married at age eighteen. Um, from there, he built a trucking empire in San Antonio, Texas. Um, he and Francis bought the first 
18-wheeler, you know, the semi-truck during their first year of marriage. And from there, he built a, wait for it, $15 million empire. They had over 100 trucks in their fleet at one point. Um, It was moving trucks? No, like 18-wheelers. So like commercial trucks, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So he, I I don't know how that business works, but apparently it's very lucrative if you do it right. Yeah, so he and Francis, his wife, had two children, Nikki and Jason. And Nikki described her father, Bill, and her family as a very loving family, a happy family. And her father was a very hardworking man. Um, he also tended to be sort of a daredevil. You know, he drove these big wheeler trucks and all that stuff. Um, Small penis. <laughs> maybe. Well, actually, I, I would kind of agree with that if, <laughs> as we go along in this story um so francis and bill work together every day at the company um bill hall jr trucking so gotcha. you know they work together they live together their mm-hmm. family was very close they're always around each other so they're sick of each other when nikki <laughs> and justin were adults and they moved out bill's eye began to wander a little bit and his interests changed um i wrote midlife crisis question mark which absolutely um so by this time he's about 50 years old he buys and tricks out a harley davidson street glide bike um he even painted it powder blue which was the company color of all Aww. his fleet trucks yeah super cute um so doing the absolutely stereotypical midlife crisis yeah, thing. for sure. Um, he had actually, he had been cheating on Francis for years. Um, he confided in his best friend and cousin, Hank Hall, who was able to tell. I, mm-hmm, yep. And Hank too, I'm sorry. But anyways, um, he confided in his cousin, Hank. Um, so this is how we know that he had been cheating for years. Okay. Hank gave some interviews. Um, Frances did always forgive Bill, though. They were high school sweethearts. She kind of always turned the other cheek, whatever. Hank said that Bill adored Frances, but he kind of got into a habit of cheating. Mm-hmm. He kind of reasoned, Hank did, that once Bill got away with it the first couple of times and Frances took him back, it just became a thing that happened, you know? It, it wasn't like he was getting punished for it. Mm-hmm. So one such affair was with a woman named Bonnie Contreras, um, which began in 2010. Um, Bonnie was, at that point, 28 years old. Um, She used to work as an exotic dancer in San Antonio. And she met Bill while working at a spinach festival. Spinach? Spinach. Spinach? Spinach. You're saying G-E. I'm saying C-H. I'm pronouncing it. I just want to make sure that I got it right. Not like it's a the fidget spinner. Nope. Okay. All right. <laughs> Spinach. You're making me very self-conscious. <laughs> Good. Spinach. You should be. Spinach. It's a C-H. Hard Spinach. C-H. There you go. You got it. Um, How many ways can you have spinach? Apparently enough to garner a festival. That's I don't stupid. understand. For like two people? Yeah. That's dumb. Just Bill and Connie. <laughs> or uh, Bonnie. Not Connie. Connie. <laughs> Bonnie Contreras. So Connie, <laughs> if you mash them together. So um, <laughs> Bonnie was working the Spinach Festival with her aunt. Um, Bill was 50 at this time. He was with a few friends. They were are all wealthy trucking 
empire owners and so they were all very well dressed bonnie said that they locked eyes and that was it i'm sure their relationship lasted for three years um she knew that he was a married man a father and a grandfather but she claimed that bill told her he and francis were separated and getting a divorce as they always are Mm -hmm. She actually spoke about their relationship in length to reporters after the incident that we will uh, outline a little bit later. Um, A quote from her says, I wanted to have a family with him. My plans were to get married, to have a home, to live the rest of my life with this man. So she says that they were madly in love. Bill actually paid for her rent. He gave her loads of money to spend. He bought her a BMW and a Mercedes, and he even paid for a breast augmentation surgery. Nice. So uh, we'll kind of reserve my thoughts until the end about this woman and this relationship. But anyways, by 2013, three years into the relationship, he was kind of losing interest in Bonnie and trying to avoid her. She freaked the fuck out. I didn't realize it. Sorry. I didn't realize it was this recent. Yeah. Or like... Again, I, n- never mind. Oh, yeah, I just this, didn't realize it was this long. Or, mm-hmm. The end of the story yeah. is in 2016. Oh, it's shit. it's okay. all very recent. Dang. Okay. So by 2013, he was trying to avoid her, um, just kind of over the relationship. She freaks out, starts calling him nonstop, calling him, calling him, calling him, all hours of the night, all hours of the day. He declined all of her calls, and she would text him, serial text him, threatening to tell his wife, Frances, about their entire affair. Um, I did read one portion of an article that said that her her texting him, threatening to tell his wife, was because he would not give her money for a manicure. I don't know how factual that is, but that's a, well, something to nibble on. I haven't gotten a manicure in like a year. I, I've got, I got one for prom. That's it. Wow. Even not worse. I don't want to say that, but like even so, like yeah. it goes, just go away. It's not, you don't need to. You have a Mercedes. Your Mercedes can do your manicure for you. Yeah. You could sell your Mercedes <laughs> and buy Million manicure. an entire shop. Yeah. So eventually she did call Francis. So after um, probably a couple weeks of threatening to, she eventually did call her. Um, then she kind of went crazier. She started showing up at their house, sending pictures of the house and their family cars in the driveway just Dude, to prove that she was actually there. That's like Jodi Area shit. It's crazy. The Christmas, Nutso did crazy. you listen to the, I my favorite, the Christmas tree? Did. <laughs> Nutso Berserko. In the film. Hiding behind Jody the Christmas Arias tree? Are you kidding kid. me? <laughs> Every time she said the film, Jenny Harry. I, oh, I it. laughed oh, so hard. Right. They did a really great job yeah, with that, that one. Really yeah. great job. <laughs> um, so she starts sending pictures of the house and also very mean and vicious text to Francis. Um, Bonnie and Francis engaged in a vicious texting war with hundreds of messages sent back and forth to each other. Bonnie actually threatened to use one of or many of the four thousand pictures of she and bill together to ruin his reputation Um, she threatened to post them on social media ruin his business you know out him as a philandering man (laughs) (laughs) so that means you are 
constantly taking pictures of everything. Of, yeah. And that literally everything. So that we'll we'll talk about questions okay, and sorry, theories yeah, yeah. about we'll go more in depth with Ew, that because I don't like her at all. Exactly. Exactly. Bonnie. Um so let's see, where am I? Bonnie does claim though to that the rest of that is yours. Okay. To have never threatened them with any of these or to threaten their family or to threaten she says she never contacted the children, anything like that. Um Bonnie though kept turning up the heat. Eventually she sent naked photos of her and Bill having sex together. Two f- having sex together. That wasn't necessary. Having sex to Francis while she and Bill were on a retreat, a weekend trip, trying to patch up their marriage. Bonnie freaked the fuck out and was like, all right, unleash hell. Um, Francis lost it. She, uh, yeah. yeah. She finally lost it. She physically assaulted Bill and, Girl, you know, ended the vacation, you. kicked him out of the house. Was she aware? Um, I know you've mentioned that she... She was sort of ish aware of all the affairs, but was she aware of specifically Bonnie at that she was, point? She was not. Um, she was aware Bill of Bonnie. Had wanted to ditch her, right, and move back with not move back, but like repair all mm-hmm. of this stuff. With yes, him. okay. He he was kind of over it. Oh, you know, he wanted to get back with his wife, really, and emotionally, I guess. And they went um, on that, the marriage recovery retreat yeah basically so what happened you know she freaks out and starts threatening to tell his wife then she tells him or tells her um so the wife knows at this point but she did not know before that anything about Barney. i know oh bill oh everybody everyone sucks (sighs) yeah this is a this is a weird one it's a rough one so after this after um francis kicks him out of the house bill in his infinite wisdom (laughs) Went to stay at Bonnie's for the night. So that night was October 9th, 2013. So on the day of October 10th, 2013, Frances leaves her niece's volleyball game and spots Bill's motorcycle on Texas Highway uh, 1604. Um, This is on the opposite side of her, so he's going the opposite direction. She also notices Bonnie a little bit behind. Um... Bonnie's driving the Hall family SUV, a Ew. car that Francis has driven for years. How disrespectful. Like, in that moment, you know what I mean? I don't think um, Bonnie even thought about that. But, like, absolutely. in that moment, Francis was like, no, no, no. Like, I, I could almost feel the fire oh, that yeah. was ignited in her. Um, she pops a fucking U-turn and <gasps> books it. Bitch. She wants to confront Bonnie and keeps catching up to her. And trying to get her to pull over. Um, she's getting brake checked the whole time. Brake check, brake check, brake check. Um, multiple people were actually calling 911 during this about two cars racing. That's what it seemed like. They were going 80 to 90 miles per hour. Um, oh my God. So Bonnie claims that Francis, she first realized something was happening. She thought she got hit from behind. She thought she had gotten into a car accident. Um, she claims that Francis hit the back bumper of the car she was driving at high speeds up to 15 times, a couple of those times making her swerve into oncoming traffic. So this is a highway mm-hmm. that has no barriers, so it's probably two lanes on either side. Yeah, so is it and like a kind of country Texas I, highway? That is what I'm assuming. It's like Because mm-hmm. you were like, she's on the other side of the road, so I'm picturing not like major highway, I'm picturing kind of like... yes. 
outskirts backwoods yeah yeah back road highway yeah. type situation Two lane with the median in between yeah Got basically okay. like what te- in texas we call a highway basically when it's like 65 miles per hour like yeah, yeah that's suddenly a highway <laughs> okay. it's like there's nothing around here gotcha. just fucking go fast yeah <laughs> <laughs> so bonnie claims that she was being hit in the back you know that was propelling her into oncoming traffic that she was being assaulted and you know reckless driving was happening francis claims that she kept pulling off to the shoulder and getting up kind of next to Bonnie mm-hmm. on her other side and motioning and shouting at her to pull over. I can absolutely picture this in my head. You know, pull the F For over. Sure. Like, yeah. you know, come face me like a woman. For all sure. of that. Um, so she wanted to confront her. Bonnie kept brake checking her, making it really dangerous to do so. At this point, because Bill was in front of Bonnie, mm-hmm. um, Bill had pulled to the side of the road and let both Francis and Bonnie's cars pass him, and then he speeds up to get to them. Bonnie clearly sees, claims that she clearly saw Bill get in between the two vehicles and then sees Francis gaining on him, thinks to herself, no, she's not going to do that. She would never do that. Sees Francis rear-end him and throw his bike off the side of the road. Francis claims that she never even saw Bill. Um, She didn't know he made contact with the car. She was focused on what was in front of her because Bonnie was brake checking her every half a second. Mm -hmm. Either way, at this point, Bill is thrown off of the highway and suffers major blunt force injuries because he was not wearing a helmet. Um, Idiot. He dies later that day in the Sorry. hospital, although he was breathing and semi-coherent by the time police and family got to the scene of the crime. Frances is absolutely distraught over this accident, but she is held by police for questioning. Um, she's actually being questioned and booked while he passes away in the hospital. What about Bonnie? Bonnie, Sorry. yeah, Bonnie's doing the mistress thing, like being super she's sad not at the being hospital. Booked and all that crap. Absolutely not. Nope. Nope, never once arrested for this. Huh? Um, Francis was charged no. with felony murder and aggravated assault on Pawnee. She does, though, claim that it was an accident and she never wanted to cause, excuse me, cause her husband harm. Um, three years later, the trial begins. All this time, Francis is incarcerated. So, August 30th, 2016, the trial begins. Hey, that's my brother's birthday. Sorry. Oh, that's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) Not really, but whatever. (laughs) So um, the prosecutors were Stephanie Paulson and Scott Simpson. The attorneys for Francis were Lee Cutter and Adam Cortez. Oh, okay. Sorry. Do you know this? No, no, no. I just remember that Lee Cutter is a woman. Okay. Yes, yes. Lee Cutter is a woman. She's apparently a badass woman. She's, yeah. She was in the military, but she was also, like, a beauty queen when she was a teen. Like, she's a badass That's a cool motherfucker. name, Lee Cutter. Yeah, Lee Cutter. Lee, I'm a Lee, Lee Cutter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was. So the defense claimed a momentary passion that resulted in a fatal accident. Okay. Um, prosecution claimed that this was cold-blooded, jealous rage and a non-justifiable murder. Yes. I want to put this in here now Kay. because it fits now, not later. So. There is a thing that I learned in school, and it is called provocation. Not provocative, but it is in, you know, same... Like you're poking at someone and they react? Yes. So 
it is a defense of some sort where you are provoked to to a certain extent where you become enraged and you act out on a certain thing. And I immediately, when I read that, I thought of Susan Wright because I was like, man, because it even kind of gave an example of domestic abuse is very common in this situation. Oh, God. And you're that not let... That never going to leave us. Right, I know, right? It's haunting <laughs> forever. You're not let go or kind of rid of the crime you committed, but you were able to use it as a defense in certain situations where you are provoked Mm -hmm. to do a certain thing because you are enraged from another. And so this kind of, I feel like, fits sort of the situation. You can kind of defend yourself of getting maybe a lesser crime or a lesser Mm -hmm. sentence for the crime or so on and so forth. I think so. I just kind of made me think of that. I feel like that was absolutely, like that had to have been used in some sort of the defense. At least in Susan. Because when you really boil it down, the night, this is the morning after this woman received pictures of her husband having sex with another woman. She sees this woman Driving her family car, following him. This is, I mean. How much more, like. What can you take? What can you take? Yeah. 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 How far can you be pushed? Any sane person. We'll talk about this more in depth, but you you would snap. You would snap. Continue. No, no. That was because I think that's definitely something that they used in their defense. Um, So Bonnie testified that she and Bill were attacked and targeted. Um, she claims that she was hit from behind multiple times and it was scary and it was, you know, she was hit from behind. What she's describing is a major collision mm-hmm. um, happening over and over again. This was refuted by a witness called to called up to the stand by the defense, um, collision reconstruction ex- expert mm-hmm. Charles Rubel. Um, he said that Bill lost control of his bike, veered to the right, hit the shoulder, veered back over to the left and kind of overcorrected, and then struck Francis's rear window, which made him lose control and threw him off the highway. There was no evidence of rear ending on the bike or on the front end of Francis's car. Oh my god. The type of collision from Francis's car, it would have been higher up to hit him on the bike. Um the prosecution concedes to that. Prosecution is like, all right, fair enough. You got us there. But they also call their own collision expert, <laughs> Timothy Lovett. I'm shaking my hands. She's sorry. she's <laughs> freaking like... the fuck out right now. Um <laughs> Timothy Lovett says conclusively that Francis was hitting Bonnie, the the rear end of Bonnie's car, but the damage was minor. So he explained this and how you have a car that's going 81 miles per hour. Mm -hmm. The car behind it, to hit it, would have to go 82 miles per hour. For sure. And the hits that would happen since the car in front of it is constantly accelerating, it's going to be minor. It's just going to be tap, But it's still, I mean, we all, I mean, I've been tapped from Mm -hmm. behind. It's dark. Ooh. Anyway, cut that out. Uh, you know what I'm saying. Your car's yes. been hit. It it, it takes. It jars a, you. Yeah. It, it, second time I dropped my pen. <laughs> it takes a minute for it to make an indentation unless it's a full-on mm-hmm. slam behind you hit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So by no means did Francis come up on someone going 40 miles per hour. Right. Going twice their speed and tried to hurt them or kill them. You know, so basically what this... this expert said these were minor enough 
bumper to bumper uh-huh. um, damage marks that were consistent with what Bonnie was claiming that she was hitting her, but that Bonnie was over exaggerating. Okay. Um, the right. prosecution did concede to the, I read a quote that I didn't choose to put in, um, but it is in one of our sources. The prosecution was like, they basically said, all right, so Bonnie's not lying, mm-hmm. but she's embellishing. So fucking take it out of her yeah. statement. Right. Like, don't even confuse anyone. Mm-hmm. Gross. Yeah. Any of the above that I just listed. Like, just Especially don't. Especially because the expert that looked at, like, the way Bill's bike was hit and right. there was a... Um, they were both SUVs, correct? They were both SUVs, okay. and he was on a motorcycle. So the damage on Francis's SUV's back right window, or back left, mm-hmm. what, what have you, the back, the rear window that he made contact with, that damage was there. And, you know, they basically, this is like forensic mechanic type mm-hmm. shit. So this is conclusively what happened. Dang. So... Prosecution said that there was no way this was accidental. Um, they cited the day before with the assault on Bill. Um, they also cited Francis saw Bonnie and Bill, mm-hmm. and she pulled over to the side of the road and she calls her adult daughter Nikki, and she says, "I just saw Bonnie. She's driving our car. I saw, I saw your dad. You know, I, I'm, I'm gonna go confront her. I'm, I'm going to go confront her." And her daughter basically tells her, get her. Like, do you, mom, you know? Yeah. Um, so, Fran- or, yeah, Francis makes a U-turn. She doesn't realize that it's going to turn into this. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and she does, Nikki does call Bonnie and leave a voicemail. And in part, the voicemail says, I quote, told you to watch your back, you fucking no, slut. No, Nikki. You yeah. just smelled your mom's fate with yeah. that fucking voicemail. Girl. But did she? I don't know. Okay, maybe I don't know. So. I would assume. The prosecution was laying, you know, that she was out for blood. Francis was, she was coming for her and she meant harm. She did not mean for a civil or even like a, you know, hardcore conversation. She meant harm. She wanted to do bodily harm. Prosecution then calls Bill's cousin and best friend Hank Hall to the stand. Now, Hank Hall, when this happened, he was one that was called to the scene. He got to see Bill before he passed away, and he looked at him, and he had a very, very sad moment. Um, he blamed Francis at that moment, point in time. He thought Francis did it on purpose, caused his death, um, scorned lover, should be blamed, all of that. When he's on stand, shocking turn of events. Oh, yeah, super that shocking. I'm sure. Super pissed off the prosecution. <laughs> He testified to Francis's character, saying that she was a, a caregiver, a loving woman, and he chalked this up to an accident as a result of a crime of passion. But he was a, a, a very big character witness for the prosecution, and at the last second, seeing Francis in the courtroom, her she was sobbing the whole time, obviously shaken. Um, I just don't like he flipped a switch. Yeah, I know. Yeah. They're so subjective, and you're just, just preying on evidence. Yes, you know? I'd rather have evidence over a character mm-hmm. witness any day. And if that's all you have, then okay. But like, I don't know, because that's like what we talked about in like the death penalty thing. Mm-hmm. Like, all you have to do, like, if you have a smart enough counsel, they can pinpoint one jury member and be like, "We just got to get Let's that guy." Character. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah. No. 
So this trial lasted for three weeks. And on September 8th of 2016, a unanimous jury found Frances Hall guilty of felony murder and aggravated assault. She faced life imprisonment at this point. The defense during the um, uh, sentencing trial that we learned about last week, (laughs) the defense held to sudden passion and urged that this be considered in sentencing. Bill Hall died at the age of 50. Oh, Bill. Frances, who said in testimony before sentencing, um, this was the only time she testified. She did not choose to testify during her trial. She said, I am not this evil person that they said I am. Show mercy on me, please. Frances was sentenced at age 53 to two years in prison. Frances is eligible for parole parole on September. Okay. Frances is eligible for parole on September 7th, 2018. So, Bill Hall Jr. Trucking has now filed for bankruptcy. Um, The company's been dissolved. um, And his family is kind of in a legal battle, so to say, to split the remaining million dollars left over of his once $7.5 million share of the company. Um, Basically, I wanted to go into this more, but as I read into it, I was like, oh, it's not super interesting. It was just a slow news day. Um, (laughs) The two kids, basically the judge is trying to decide if Francis should get any of his estate or if the two kids should just get it and have it split up between them. From the little I read of it, like, just give it to the kids. And the kids both said, you know, they love their mother. And, like, the son kind of blamed her for a little bit. But then he came around. He was like, no, this was, you know, it was an accident. It mm-hmm. shouldn't have happened. It didn't mean to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like if all the money was given to the kids, they would take care of their mom. Yeah, yeah, that's sure. That's what it feels like. So this is... You know, the the articles I read were like, the family's still in legal woes and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, they're a broken family. Yeah. They lost their dad. They're shattered. And they're having to pick up the pieces while their mother's in prison. So, but there's no malicious intent going on with any of them. They're just trying to figure it all out. Um, Bonnie did try to sue Francis for $2.5 million. I could not find anything about that. So, I do not think that, I think it was thrown out because she tried to sue her for bodily harm. I'm sorry, you didn't have any bodily harm. I get it. You're you're hitting someone else's car. You're hitting your own car. She is driving your property. She is not insured right. that's to drive point. your that's car. Dang, Bonnie sucks. Yeah, that's that's my initial thought. Like when I first like so what I first read was the article that interviewed her. Mm-hmm. She gave a full interview. She was like, she lost the love of her life. I think I felt like the way Bonnie behaved, even if the thing about her harassing him because she didn't get money for manicure, let's say that's false. The okay. way she behaves, she's acting like a 16 year old child, oh, absolutely. which makes me think that she was in more of a sugar baby situation where she relied on him for her financial means. And once she was losing that, she was she was not going to lose that because she had no other way to make money. Yeah. You know, that was her livelihood right there. And so that's why she went freaking nuts. So, well, I mean, she contributed three years ish to this relationship, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, it's not like, okay, three months, six months, I right. can go back to dancing, I can go back to whatever. It's like for three but years, she got to do commitment. nothing. Yeah. yeah. You have the deal sealed. That was a yawn again, mm. if anyone heard that. Kane agrees. <laughs> No one's even So, listening. I mean, no, no, they're not. 
But I mean, I totally agree yeah. that she was trying to be like, what can I do to make this look good on me mm-hmm. and not look like the mistress? Yeah. You know? And the fact that she openly admits that she knew that he was married and a grandfather and a father and all of that, it definitely kind of it justifies, like not justifies, but it, it supports the idea that you were a sugar, but you were in this yeah. more for the money. You might have had feelings for this man. I, she might have loved him. I don't want to discredit that it portion of the relationship. Her own defense, it does you know? because if a man is, if you are the other woman and a man is going back to his wife, like you can go a little crazy. But there was there was one thing I read. Um, his best friend Hank said that she would find out if they were going to a movie together, Bill and Francis, and sit a few rows behind them and send him texts the whole time. And it's like she went absolutely. You need medication, crazy. I feel like she is definitely to blame a lot for this. Oh, yeah. I am on Francis' side 100%. Absolutely. I think it's very sad that Bill died and he did not mean to, mean to die. Sure. And I, I do believe her that it was an accident. She was yes. pissed as shit that her husband of 32 years, like she wanted to confront this woman who was ruining her life and harassing her. The, 28 days this harassment went on from the time that she found out about it. To the day he died. Like, you know, she went to her niece's volleyball game the entire time. She was just tormented over the fact that they were trying to save their marriage. And this woman, you know, and then she leaves. And on her way home, she sees the other woman that had just sent her nudie pics driving her car behind her husband. I would go absolutely absolutely because it's super insulting to think Mm -hmm. because when you first said you know you're going to like marriage repair or whatever camp you know you think that your husband's on your side Mm -hmm. and you're going through this your husband's ignoring all the messages and the bullshit from this girl and blah 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 which one shows that girl's craziness Mm -hmm. but then two think that they're telling you the truth but they're not because it's like they turn around and say, yeah, I'm going to I'm dedicated. I want to fix this. I want to do this, that and the other. And so you're on board and you're like, cool, mm-hmm. I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to let this bother me. And then all of a sudden you see this bitch driving your car mm-hmm. at your daughter or whatever it was, volleyball game. Yep. And you're like, well, what the fuck? What if I, you know, They're I've just been lied to all over again. That person is holding yeah. your emotions hostage right. and they have a noose around your neck. And it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's very unfair. Cheating is... The worst. In Frances's case, she's a grown-ass woman. Yeah. Maybe she was pissed. Maybe she dinged the back of the car. Maybe she, you know, waved the girl over, whatever. But Bonnie's a fucking liar, mm-hmm. in my opinion, based on the facts that the car mechanic or what have you said that there wasn't enough, you know, mm-hmm. damage done. I don't think that that Francis was that vindictive. I think no. that she let this go long enough that yeah. she was like, okay, girl, I'm done. Let's have it out face to face. You want to send this shit? You want to be petty? Let's deal with it in person. I'm down. Yep. And if you let it go long enough, it's going to build up, which one shows you that she can handle her shit. But when it's time to deal with it, she's ready to deal with it. Yeah. So I'm going to pull you over. I'm going to talk to you. My husband's on a motorcycle, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I didn't kill my husband. I'm trying right. to pull you over to talk to you. She had every right to want to confront this woman. Absolutely. And that's why I think she's justified or her daughter is justified in leaving a voicemail for this woman who's tearing her parents' marriage apart. Like it was 
Yeah. I'm sure she regretted that and whatever, but it's, they, this family was ripped apart by a woman who knowingly mm-hmm. ripped it apart. If you Absolutely. are the other woman and you are the other woman as a product of a man lying to you and telling you that he's not married yeah. or he's divorced or separated. Or I'm leaving my wife right? Or whatever like, crap. No. That's. Girl, she's not leaving. He's that not is leaving a total. <laughs> Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. By the way, he's not leaving. No. Like, yeah, don't believe that. But it's like that—that's in a totally different zone of terribleness because it's not that bad. Because you were lied to as well. Mm-hmm. When you're told the truth about this guy, and you are literally in the mistress, or now that's like a super popular like side chick thing. Oh yeah, mistress isn't PC anymore Fuck that. or something. Yeah, like no, you're Sorry. you're a terrible person. I think it. Bonnie is going to, she strikes me as the type of person, and that's why there are multiple pictures online of Bonnie and Bill together. Mm-hmm. Um, I only chose to send Hannah a picture of Bonnie by herself because this one picture embodies the type of person that you would expect her to be. Don't harm others. Right. And, and if you are Don't knowingly the other woman, you're harming others. And I think Bonnie was Absolutely. very vindictive. And I think Bonnie is just as much responsible for Bill's death as Francis is. And I, I, I know Francis is yeah. Francis is responsible for it in the way that she was driving recklessly, but it wasn't she unintentional, I feel. And the fact that she sued tried to sue Francis for two point five million that's, tacky that's as such fuck. an exorbitant amount that yeah. that just shows that you well, this guy died, you lost your meal ticket basically and you're Absolutely. grasping at straws. Yeah. But that's the end of that. So that's the story of Bill Hall Jr. Bill and um, Francis. R.I.P. Yeah. Bill. We, uh, we, we hope we didn't defame Bill's character too much. He made some bad decisions, but Guys he did not deserve to die. No. Um, all right. So that was Cassie's. We're moving on to mine. So I really kind of wanted to avoid this case because I know that a lot of people have kind of heard of it. Um. But it's okay because even though I'd prefer to, you know, talk about the unmentioned cases, Mm -hmm. this case and really any case of domestic abuse and violence should be talked about in my eyes. So it's fine. Um, I'm going to be talking about the deaths of Faith and Liberty Battaglia by the hand of their own father, John Battaglia. Never heard of it. I Battaglia sounds very familiar, but I'm not sure. I went through this whole thing thinking it was pronounced Battaglia. So my mom corrected me. If she's wrong, fine. Whatever. It sounds, <laughs> Battaglia sounds right because yeah. Italians throw in those letters that you just don't even need to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> like I told you before we started, spoiler alert, if y'all don't know, this guy was actually... Um, put to death on the first of this month, February. So that's kind of a big deal. Um, precedent with that. So as I go through this, just keep remembering that. I guess. Um, I guess. I guess that kind of depends on if you're in the favor of the death penalty or not. So whatever. Anyway, <laughs> he's dead. Basically, uh, John Battaglia grew up in Dumont, New Jersey. He dropped out of college early on and decided to join the Marines. Uh, So he eventually left the Marines to become an accountant. This is kind of a short story, a little brush over, because I'll go into it a little bit more later. Um, He moved to Dallas because his father lived there. And after a while, he became a CPA. Um, 
I don't know if this part was true, but it said that he was also a model, which um, when I wrote this, I thought it was kind of funny because I was just like, that's random back yeah. to throw in there. But um, good looking man, I guess. Uh, yeah. At some point, uh, John had gotten married. He had had a child, but soon divorced. Uh, his first wife will claim she was a victim of violent physical abuse from John. Again, I will mention we will go into this later. So uh, John met and married later Mary Jean Pearl in 1991. She was from a well-off Dallas family. She was working as an antique dealer in the Dallas area. Uh, Mary Jean would get a taste of John's aggression on their wedding night where she said that he just snapped at her about something random and it was just so unlike him and out of nowhere. Hmm. Mary Jean also said that she um, had heard from John that he had told her before they had even gotten married that he had gotten into an argument with his first wife, had hit her, um, but never actually owned up or even told her the fact that he um, broke her nose, broke her jaw, and had brutally kicked his first wife in front of their own daughter's school one day. So, 1992, they welcome their first child together, no. uh, who they name Mary, but they call Faith. That's her middle name. So, they, uh, she goes by Faith for the rest of her life. 1995, they uh, welcome their second daughter, Liberty. Uh, they had a very nice little life as a family. <laughs> they lived together in Highland Park, which is a, kind of a suburb of Dallas-ish. Uh, it's a very fancy sort of neighborhood. Super rich. Yeah. It's old money-ish. Um, Angela Samoda from one of the few episodes ago, that's kind of where her little preparatory school was located as well, if that kind of puts things into perspective for everyone. Um not that anyone's listening. Mm. She said despite his anger and violence against her, he never touched the children. He adored them. Quote, he never spanked the children. He never raised his voice to the children. He never grabbed their arm. He never did anything but love them. Uh, so Mary Jean was sick of dealing with the anxiety and fear of being in a marriage with John. So she offered up counseling as an option to restore their marriage and his issues. He refused. And one day, a small argument nearly escalated to a physical attack. She says, quote, he got real close and his eyes were bulging out and veins and the whole thing. And he said, I'll knock your fucking head off, bitch. <laughs> and I said, John, you need to step back. And he got about an inch closer. So <laughs> I know Kane's really excited about this. So he's about an inch from my face and he screamed it again at me. And so I stood up and turned to the bathroom and I walked in there, picked up the phone and called 911. First of all, I think it's weird that she had a phone in the bathroom, mm -hmm. but I think that that was actually kind of common in like the 80s and 90s, but whatever. So after seven years of dealing with the, his abuse, often in front of the children, Mary Jean files for divorce. The family court proceedings allowed John to have visitation with the girls, but he was not allowed to enter the home. Uh, Christmas 1999, Mary Jean would have a little pity and let John in to see the children. So two seconds ago, I just said he's allowed to see the kids, but not allowed to enter the home. So yeah. this is the detriment of that moment. Yes. Don't do it. Yeah, no, definitely don't, don't do, do it. it. 
Um, so after an argument ensued, John began beating Mary Jean as hard as he possibly could. Luckily, the police were called and he was arrested and charged with misdemeanor assault. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he was prohibited from contacting Mary Jean and he wasn't allowed to see or speak with his children for a whopping 30 days. Ooh. Oh, that's enough time. Yeah. Uh, that itself is pretty unreal to me. But anyway, I feel like this kind of shows the damage Mary Jean had, you know, mentally to kind of like maybe allow this to continue. I don't know. Maybe that's just my perspective of like, I don't know how it went down with the courts, but her being like, no, it's okay. Like, it's fine. It's just against me and it's not with the kids. Right. But I don't know. Anyway. Um, I did want to point out, however, that the report did say that she refused to go to the hospital after uh, he beat her because she didn't want to take away from the Christmas or whatnot. So either she was terrified or she really was kind of naive. Yeah, I think it might have been a combination. It might have been like, I don't want the kids to know what's going on. And I'm also in denial. And I'm also like petrified if i do anything he's gonna be more pissed like i think it really could be a combo but regardless it's unfortunate anyway after the 30 days was up john would be allowed to see the children once again um quote of course i was worried at first but i really thought it was only directed at me i never thought he'd hurt the children by august of 2000 after nine years of marriage mary jean and john got divorced but the abuse continued john left a threatening phone message for mary jean a violation of his parole first off um he also tested positive for marijuana another violation um to me this is like grade a stalking yeah you know like definitely he could not let this family go whatever i hate that stalking is a sort of second tier misdemeanor offense i think that it should be taken more seriously i feel like um he's obsessing he's premeditating he's not giving two shits about the laws that he's violating mm-hmm. he's mental mentally unstable yes why didn't someone arrest him So, according to Assistant District Attorney Cindy Dyer, a motion was, quote, filed to revoke his probation based upon the violations of the conditions. But she explains, judges very often allow abusers who don't commit another physical assault to stay out of jail. Like, I get why they did it, but I just don't understand why they didn't correlate it with stalking. I know this was the 90s and that wasn't really a thing if you will but um every domestic violence and physical assault on mary jean escalated each time so why why did they think that he was just gonna you know i'm just gonna let it go like you you have a classic and documented progression Mm -hmm. and escalation so it's it's i mean how how much more do you need because in yes, there no one learned like, oh he's not gonna commit another physical assault like that's crap like it's like no he's just gonna take it up a notch mm-hmm. and it might not fall under yeah. assault it might be um way moida. worse yeah moida moida um and at the time even mary jean did not want to see john go to jail quote I wanted him to continue to be a CPA, make a nice life for himself, be a good daddy to the kids. I didn't want to take his career away. I felt like that would be devastating to him. Girl, who the fuck cares? Yeah. And you'll not care 
in just a few months. They should never have success ever again. If you abuse or assault a woman, get the fuck out of here. You're done. I know. And that's easier said than done. It is, especially in the 90s. Like, we can say that now in almost 2020, like 30 years later, Mm -hmm. where we will stand behind you. But back then, they will stand behind the man. Uh, in May of 2001, Ugh. Mary Jean drove the girls to their usual drop-off point, a parking lot at a local shopping center. The girls got into their father's pickup truck and drawn, drove them to his apartment near downtown Dallas. Uh, Mary Jean had just called the police a few days prior, telling them that she truly feared for her life, finally, uh, and was worried he was going to kill her. Wait, hold on, rewind. Wait, and she wanted him arrested. Wait, what was the question? Sorry. Yeah, I know. A few days prior, and then she dropped her kids off with him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hun- <sighs> honey. Okay. She was okay. soon contacted by her own mother, saying that the girls were trying to reach her and wanted to talk to her. When Mary Jean called John's phone to speak with the girls, the voice of her daughter, Faith, came on the line. Quote, Mommy, why do you not want Daddy to to have to go to jail or why do you want daddy to go to jail sorry then she says she heard faith yelling no daddy no daddy please don't do it faith was shot three times and liberty was shot five times picking up the phone after killing his children he told mary jean quote merry fucking christmas in reference to the christmas 1999 assault mary jean terminated the call and dialed 911 At first, John was nowhere to be found. He had fled to a bar to place one last spine-chilling phone call to his daughters. Mary Jean wouldn't listen to the voicemail until the day after their murders. Um, Quote, good night, my little babies, he said. I hope you're resting in a different place. I love you, and I wish that you had nothing to do with your mother. She was evil and vicious and stupid. I love you dearly. Um... Then, in another bizarre twist, he stopped at a tattoo parlor and had two roses tattooed on his arm, one for each girl. Police captured him outside the parlor at 2 a.m. He was arrested shortly thereafter. It took four officers to subdue him. Wow. Yeah. A Shit. Uh, a fully loaded revolver was found in his truck, and more than a dozen firearms were recovered from his apartment. Texas authorities stated that John killed his daughters out of retaliation because Mary Jean had complained to his probation officer. So I want to know, I guess, did the phone call that you, you know, were like, oh, what? Like, did that phone call of her placing to the 911 operator, whatever, whomever, you know, I'm in fear for my life. Did that actually, you know, did that reach the probation officer how did that correlate? You know what I mean? Why did he know that there was a complaint? Right. There, he How should not that know that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. I'm wondering if he was tipped off somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Um, or did he make it up? I don't know. That would be pretty coincidental. Uh, Howard Blackman was the lead prosecutor in the 2002 capital murder trial. Jurors deliberated for 19 minutes before convicting John. So on April 30th, 2002, he was sentenced to death after he received his sentence, John John was held in or held at the Polensky unit near Livingston, Texas. 
Livingston, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've mentioned that place before. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of debate in regards to John's mental health, and many believe that he wasn't fully competent enough to understand his uh, understand his death sentence. A state district uh, court took up the case, and psychologist who examined John said he believed. Uh, his sentence stemmed from a vast conspiracy that included his ex-wives, child molesters, homosexual lawyers, the trial judge, the jury, and the Ku Klux Klan. Mm. Right. He Full also, circle. Yeah. He also claimed he was drugged, didn't remember the murders. Um, these delusions, his lawyers claimed, prevented fr- him from having a, quote, rational understanding of his punishment. But if he says he's drugged, then that means he has a rational understanding and then he has to cover it up. Yeah. He was aware enough that he was drugged. Like, I don't know how it works. I was drugged by who? Myself. So that means you did everything. In September, after months of back and forth on his mental state, a decision was made that John was eligible for execution. The court upheld the trial's court belief or the trial court's belief that he was faking or exaggerating his mental illness to avoid execution, citing a recorded phone call John had with his father, calling the death penalty a, quote, damn chess game. What? Uh, okay. Tes- yeah. Okay. Testimony at a hearing showed John used the prison library to research capital case rulings on mental competence as well. Um... John told the Dallas Morning News in 2014 his daughters were, quote, his little best friend or his best little friend, sorry, and that he had photos of them displayed in his prison cell. Quote, I don't feel like I killed them. I'm a little uh, a little bit in the blank about what happened. I watched this interview when he said that, and it's absolutely horrifying. Like, he's smiling the whole time. It's, oh, so it's he's, disgusting. He's a fucking psychopath. Yeah. Uh, Quote, he said he's not concerned about their deaths. Why would I worry about where they are now? He said, we're all here. We're all gone at the same time. I'm not worried about it. Cool. That's nice. Uh, Halloween 2017. Woo! John's death warrant was signed, which set a new execution date for February 1st, 2018. And after 17 years of legal, legal wrangling, John Battaglia was finally executed by lethal injection at 9.40 p.m. on February 1st, 2018 at the Huntsville Unit in Huntsville, Texas. John smiled as Mary Jean and other witnesses to his lethal injection walked into the death chamber viewing area. Before his death, he was asked by the warden if he had a final statement. Uh, he smiled and said, quote, no, then changed his mind. Quote, well, hi, Mary Jean, he said, looking and smiling at his ex-wife. I'll see you later. Bye. After that, he told the warden, quote, go ahead, please. John then closed his eyes and looked directly up. A few seconds later, he opened his eyes and lifted his head. Quote, am I still alive? He asked. He was seen grinning and then sighed. The powerful sedative uh, phenobarbital began to take effect. Quote, oh, I feel it, he said. He gasped twice, gasped twice and started to snore. Within a few more seconds, all movement stopped. Stopped. Uh, Mary Jean turned away from the execution viewing window after John stopped breathing and walked to the back of the witness area. Quote, I've seen enough of him. 
she said before returning minutes later to watch as a physician examined John and pronounced him dead. Mary Jean declined to be interviewed afterward. With her daughters gone, Mary Jean insists the system must have failed somewhere. Duh. Or she did. I don't know. Mm. She believes the courts and the experts should have spotted the dangers she never did. Mm. But assistant DA, again, Cindy Dyer, says, quote, the problem was and the problem is that it is almost impossible to prevent a crime that no one, not even the victim, suspects will ever happen. Kind of agree. Yeah. Mary Jean, who has since remarried, says she has forgiven herself. I don't beat, quote, I don't beat myself up. I lived every day with those children like it was our last. We had a wonderful life. Every day here in this house was a good one. This was just bigger than me. She keeps the girls' room intact and there, uh, and goes in there every night. Quote, I tell them how much I love them, and I'm so sorry. John Battaglia, uh, his execution was the third one in Texas this year. As you mentioned, kind of uh, in our last episode, there had only been one at that point, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the second man to be put to death in the state this week. Uh, this is when the article was written. Uh, I'm going to go on a brief little tangent because it was just too good to pass up. Uh, convicted killer William Rayford was executed Tuesday, again, when this article was written. So, again, since we are on the topic of scorned lovers, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about William Rayford. Uh, Texas executed William Rayford on Tuesday night for murdering his ex-girlfriend in 1999. At the time, he was on parole, shocker, for killing his wife, Gail Rayford, in front of their four kids. She had (sighs) obtained a court order four days earlier to keep him away. He was unfortunately paroled after eight out of his 23-year sentence um, because of overcrowding in Texas prisons. Oh, from drug offenders that are not violent. <laughs> he had been on parole for five years. One in November 1999, Williams entered, or William, sorry, entered the um, home of 44-year-old Carol Hall's house, began arguing with her, then stabbed her and her 11-year-old son <sighs> in the back and chased her out of her Oak Cliff home. Uh, this was in Dallas. Oak Cliff is sort of a rundown area of okay. that um, yeah, suburb. Uh, Carol, who knew William since they both grew up in Dallas in a housing project, she had broken up with him two months earlier, according to evidence in the case. Uh, William entered her home using a key she didn't know he had, Ooh. which then initiated the violent argument that ended in her death. Her son, Benjamin, who, remember, uh, was also stabbed, suffered from a punctured lung uh, as a result, and he later testified at William's trial that what? yeah that he had watched William carry his mother toward a toward a drainage pipe, where her body was later found beaten, stabbed repeatedly, and strangled. William was arrested at the scene. Carol's blood covered his face and clothing. Her body was found 300 feet inside the drainage pipe behind her home. He told an officer Carol could be found quote in the hole. Up the sewer, in the water. Like, pauses in between. Like, fucking disgusting. So, that's all I wanted to mention about that guy, because fuck him. Holy God. Uh, Just like in John Battaglia's trial, mental illness was a topic of debate. Sort of, you know, how John was like, I don't know if he's competent enough to stand trial. So, uh, the court ruled that although William Rayford's defense brought up his mental illness like we always love substance abuse and difficult childhood 
non excuse uh didn't excuse the um beating strangling and knifing of an ex-girlfriend and stabbing her child plus the fact that he killed his wife right or whatever like yeah what a guy oh my god um that's pretty much all the facts so moving into questions and theories um the only theory that I really had about John was perhaps his military past had some sort of lingering effect on his emotions. Um, this is when, uh, and I'll make it as short as I possibly can. This is when I was led to a book actually written about John and this case. Oh, wow. Yeah. And okay. about himself. So um, I was given so much insight from this. So he evidently grew up in a family of six children. He was the oldest. He received very harsh punishments. His brother even called him, quote, an emotional cripple. Um, Kind of telling, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, At another time during an explosive rage, John pulled a pistol on that same brother. John had a rough relationship with his father, but a very close one with his mother. John and his siblings were subjected to strict punishments growing up. One child even had their guitar broken over their back. Their father, John Sr., was in the army, which... You know, again, might explain their harsh pun- or harsh dis- discipline and punishment. The family moved around, moved around constantly, and it ruined, you know, many scholastic and athletic and social opportunities for John to experience. His mother, Julia, suffered from severe mental illness, and John at 17 witnessed his own mother receiving sedation from a doctor who came to their home after his father told his mother he was going to have her committed. So the next morning, his mother would drive to New York State, end up shooting herself in the head, and John blamed himself for her death and noticeably took her suicide harder than the other members of his family. John also didn't just drop out of school. Um, He had entered um, pursuing pre-med. He found out that math was actually his forte. That's why he went into accounting. He took a year off school to go on tour with a rock band. Um, He would end up being their business manager while on tour. He contemplated going back to school after that, but he wasn't ready. And he claims that the 1970s really got the best of him. He began using uh, and then selling cocaine to finance his habit, but was later arrested and charged with the delivery of a controlled substance, which um, was kind of the thing that jolted him him into the Marines. Okay. Um, And he actually really wanted to get his life together. Um, He wanted to make something of himself. He volunteered to be um, a volunteer, obviously, in the Special Olympics. He um, then in 1982, after making sergeant, John decided to try and start anew with his father and move to Dallas. So all of the stuff I had read really skimmed over all of the, you know, good stuff, I guess. Or the real details. Um, His stepmother worked for a modeling agency. So that part was true. Um, He was actually set up by a friend with his first wife, Michelle, who I mentioned earlier had, you know, admitted to suffering abuse from him. Uh, She was two years older than him. She had a seven-year-old son from a previous marriage. She was a self-made bankruptcy and estate lawyer from Baton Rouge. In 1985, Michelle and John go to celebrate Mardi Gras and also make a pit stop. And uh, they want to kind of have John meet her family, sort of. And this goes completely awry. So at this point... Uh, John and her son Billy were the best of friends. He did an amazing job being a father figure for him. Um, this uh, 
again, where the trip kind of goes south, they he, John goes into a huge rage when the, a car of teenagers violently speeds past them. He is reaching for a gun in his bag that's supposedly next to him while yelling and screaming at the occupants of the car and at Michelle. Uh, major road rage, basically. Um, Michelle said she was scared by um, the, or scarred by the incident forever. John seemed to act totally normal for the rest of the trip, like nothing ever happened. Hmm. So I want to let you guys know I'm putting this in here because it really does make sense mm-hmm. in a second. So Michelle would soon turn up pregnant. She didn't want to marry John, but she also didn't want to get an abortion or have a child out of wedlock. So as soon as she told him she was pregnant, he wanted to marry her again. Susan and Jeff Wright or Jeffrey, whatever. Yeah. You know, the marriage is ish and then they have kids and it's great. And then you, I don't know, it just all tiny bit of happiness and then it's still on a crumbling foundation uh she was too fearful of discussing being a single parent with john so by the time um april 1985 came around michelle and john got married but not uh not long after michelle caught john visiting his ex-fiance janet and conspires conspiring to leave michelle Mm -hmm. after the baby was born so it's like Does he care? Does he not? Whatever. Right. So while she was five months pregnant, John put his arm around her neck from behind, began choking her, uh, and began choking her because she got upset after he didn't want to help her pack up their belongings in preparation to move into a new house. Jesus Christ. After he, he released his grip, she ran off only to find John later again acting like nothing ever happened. Um... He began, quote, accidentally abusing Billy, her son, throwing him into walls, kicking him when they were wrestling. Um, But he stopped abusing Billy when their daughter was born, went back to abusing Michelle, which at some point, um, I assume, is where she kind of suffered her facial fractures mentioned prior, uh, the jaw and situation. Um, So that's kind of the background that I felt was needed to differ from what I had read earlier. Um, so going into more questions and theories, I guess, um, an article I read from the Dallas Observer written in 2002, and I'm going to like, want to like give most detail to this guy. His name is Stephen Mashad, um, said this area of Dallas had recently been subjected to three very similar homicide cases in just a little over two years. So all three fathers were mature, middle-class professionals. None were delusional. None had psychiatric history. The psychiatric term for sudden explosive murder in the absence of violent history is called catathymic, which is in accordance with emotion. Catathymic homicide. So forensic psychologist J. Reed Malloy, who writes at length about catathymic killings in his book, Violent Attachments, says these crimes, quote, are usually preceded by a much darker or much dark rumination. Often um, these killers have a personality disorder such as narcissism with quite fragile self-esteem. They easily suffer humiliation, which tends to be quickly converted into fury. He says, quote, they are never conscious of being angry, which in reference to him saying, I don't even know what happened, like not even recognizing what he did. Right. Um, Then one day the defense collapses and there's uh, there's this upsurge of rage. Afterward, they report a curious relief. Often these guys look very normal. The next day, it's almost impossible 
it, it seems almost impossible that they did it. Quote, typically the head of the victim is attacked. A lot of the time there's overkill, such as multiple stab wounds or trauma. Uh, in parentheses, I put the first wife had her jaw and nose broken. So again, forensic psychologist J. Reed Malloy references John references John Battaglia as the second father to kill his family in this 25 month time frame. Um, he speaks about Tim Richardson, who in front of his three kids bashed a lamp in his wife's face, strangled her with the cord of the lamp, almost decapitated her with a pair of scissors while she sat on the sofa. Quote, what John Battaglia evidently did share with Tim Richardson, the first offender, <clears throat> in parentheses, besides being an accountant, huh. was monstrous rage. But unlike Richardson, instead of instantly annihilating Mary Jean, John allegedly chose to destroy those she loved best. Mm-hmm. Quote, no doubt he was getting back at Mary Jean big time. His mm-hmm. anger is much more controlled than Richardson's. My hunches he got got rolling on the plan when his daughter said you're going to jail on the phone with mary jean consistent with this theory of john's motivation are the multiple gunshots which could only amplify mary jean's horror as she listened to her daughter's murders over the telephone mary jean was or sorry faith was shot three times once in the right side of her lower back once in the upper right shoulder and once when uh, once with the gun muzzle held directly to the back of her head. Jesus. Liberty, again, was shot five times, once in the back, once in her left arm, once in her left side, once to her scalp, and once, like her sister, shot directly in the back of her head. As we know, police found multi- multiple guns in John's apartment, one with human hair still stuck to its muzzle, which could have belonged to either daughter at that point. They also found a human tooth. According to Liberty's autopsy, her right central incisor recently had been pulled. Only a bloody socket remained and the teeth on either side were loose. Quote, that would mean a first for me, Malloy says. Quote, I've never heard a father. I've never heard of a father killing his biological daughter than taking some sort of memento. Yeah. Um, quote, in the end, Malloy says the unsatisfactory conclusion is to be vigilant, unafraid to ask questions, and be aware that there is much that is hidden away, even among those we know and love best. Pretty sad, but yeah. very profound. Um, a facility, these are positive things. That's kind of all the psychological crap that I get into. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I know that was heavy, but I thought it was very interesting because it, I don't know, kind of shed some light not just our bullshit like oh well she pissed him off and blah 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 blah. oh yeah Mimi right a couple more questions down <laughs> yeah. definitely um a facility was created in honor of faith and liberty uh called the faith and liberty's family place center it was created only five short months after their deaths it provides a safe uh child-centered environment where trained professionals facilitate supervised child visitation and monitor exchange with non-custodial parents um they uh da, 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 they offer a 24-hour crisis hotline, family violence emergency shelter, uh, transitional housing, safe campus learning center, community-based counseling, 
children's counseling, incest recovery programs, which I think is amazing, battered intervention and prevention programs, again, also amazing, legal services, and so much more. Jesus. Um, So that's really all I have to say. I'll turn it over to Cassie of what her questions are, but I thought that the psychological aspect was really interesting in his situation because it was just what do you say in that, you know, like, was it her fault? Was it the kid's fault? Was he a douchebag from the military? Was it his past? Like, where do you go? You know? Uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a heavy one. It's rough. Like, at first I wrote, like, how abused was, I wrote MJ, like, was she so indoctrinated <laughs> to this abuse lifestyle mm-hmm. that she was just so terrified? But then again, I, I, I wrote, like, she should have never let the kids be with him ever she had the law on her side she had all these things working for her um and then ptsd yeah i feel like for sure comes into place or some chemical makeup that was like altered Mm -hmm. through his military service which is not something to discount i was gonna say about her ptsd on her side that's true that's I mean, true both both both, I guess. both yeah and then my last thing really is the amount of shots he took in the the, the places that the bullets mm-hmm. hit these girls that to me seems very disorganized and very much like a not a moment of passion but just something like there was an immediate trigger and that mm-hmm. was an immediate reaction. So just like how that guy said, you know, as soon yeah. as his daughter said, you know, daddy's going to jail, you know, he, he thought he was in control. He thought he was yeah. going to be like, I took the kids. Fuck you. But then something clicked <sighs> and it's like, what is that thing? You yeah. know, what is it inside people that. And like I said, the the girl of the interview I watched, like he says, I don't think I really killed them. And she goes, what? Like huh and he smiles just like he's in denial but yeah. is he in denial you like, know i don't think he's crazy i don't think he's crazy in the eyes of the law like traditional yeah quote, where crazy. like you didn't know that what you were doing was bad or was against the law or mm-hmm. whatever like i think he was within reason when it happened but i think his rage issues and his you know that takes him into a different place no, I, I definitely, and that also kind of sucks because last episode I was like, I'm against the death penalty, but a piece of shit like this, it's just kind of like good riddance, you know? Well, see, so I kind of thought it ugh. as, you know, the, the, de- depending on, you know, what degree you want to sentence this guy to, if it's first degree or second degree, which is all about intent and premeditation and so on and so forth, you know, if he, we, we'll never know mm-hmm. if he really, truly premeditated this. Right. You know, we can only assume because of his pissed offness yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever um, from his, you know, estranged wife's behavior and, you know, calling the cops and blah, blah, blah on his abuse. But I can only assume it was semi-premeditated. I, yeah. He wanted to fucking get the best of her yeah. or the better of her, whatever it is. But I guess I just feel like in this case, rehabilitation could be a thing. Yeah. You can figure out why he did it and what really stemmed this or instigated this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so do I think he deserves the death penalty? It doesn't really matter at this point. He's already dead. That was decided for him a while ago. But um, I just wonder if like if he could have been helped. 
you know, yeah. if we could have figured out the root of the cause of all of this and like why he had such a vendetta against his wife, mm-hmm. what issue he had personally within himself that made him feel so disrespected. Yeah. You know what I mean? And what carries on in men and like domestic violence and therein, you know, like what is yeah. the thing that could potentially or potentially be prevented? Yep. In the future for things like this to not happen. Like because I he feel, loved his daughters. He loved kids. But as soon as that woman or whomever got in his way, mm-hmm. he's like, fuck you. Yeah. So I, I, weird. I think he could have been very heavily studied. Ugh. I think that it could have been analyzed a lot more. And that's why I wanted to put all that stupid crap in there of like this. Yeah, he could have been for sure. We could have learned something from him. We yeah. could have found the root. And like, God, these poor babies. I know. I, I really just took away from... That whole thing was that guy's last phrase of, you know, we have to be vigilant and have to really think about what people are capable of. And that's yeah. kind of, you, you I don't want to say that's what I took away worst. from it, but like, be careful. Yeah. You just don't know. Don't think, oh, he'll never hurt my kids or he'll never hurt me or he'll never hurt blah, 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 my my house or my pets or my car mm-hmm. or my bullshit, whatever. Anyone's capable of anything. Yes. Just be anything. Be aware. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Be scared. Be be scared. Fucking vigilant. Yeah. Oh god. Um. Mm. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy fucking Valentine's Day. Have you ever done the Galentine's Day thing? I haven't, and I want to one day. I've I'd never like, done it either. Like brunch and mimosas? Hell yeah. Oh, we should have just done mimosas. We should have, but... We would be obliterated. We would. I'm like semi-sober for this. Mm-hmm. Me too. This is like the nice. third time I've said semi-sober this whole podcast. It's because we're very proud of ourselves because we, we are semi- never are. semi-sober. Like, we, neither of us had wine to drink for the last, like, three quarters of Hannah's, yeah. so... Mine was super long. Sorry. No, it was great. It there was because there's a lot of like psychiatric info. A lot of stuff that's way over our heads, but that's very like it's important to think about and to understand. And we don't, and people should. How many times do we have to go back to mental health every episode? Every episode. How do you change the name of this podcast? Almost kind of like. it's like a thing. Like yeah. mental health is like a thing. Like if it's ignored, people might, might kill die. people. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Mm. Look at that. <laughs> um. Okay. Oh. We're done, guys. We're done. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Just being here. Whatever. Um. We hope you enjoyed this episode and. Please, 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 please. We love you so much. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And check out our social media for photos on these cases. And give us your opinion on the Patreon stuff yeah. and all of that. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, links to our sources. We'll be putting the show notes if you guys want more information as usual. Um, two weeks from now, you guys. Two weeks from now. What day is that, actually? I think that's my birthday. Is it really? <gasps> I didn't think you were going to tell me what it, day okay. your birthday was. We are, it's technically Tuesday the 13th, 20 minutes past 12. So technically it's Tuesday. We started recording this on Monday. So two weeks from Monday is my 29th birthday. Yay! I'm yawning as I say it. Oh, gross. Um. So yeah, we'll be back. 
in two weeks on my birthday for more Texas true crime. Hey, if anyone has a suggestion to do for my birthday. Yes. Episode or whatever. Give it here. Yeah. Along with Patreon stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Help us. Yeah. If anyone's listening. Happy, happy Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs>